You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, keeping a theme of the weekend alive, refs screwing over New Orleans sports. Yes, you heard the booze raining down in the Smoothie King Center at the start of the show. Did you hear yourself in that one? You probably did because the entire arena was doing it. Pelicans falling to the Utah Jazz on a no call, another Nolan no call, 128-126. And what was a pretty thrilling game otherwise and a gritty performance from the Pelicans. We're going to focus just on this game today because frankly, well, we really need to after a lot of good and a lot of bad looking at you refs. Let's break it all down in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So it was a 128-126 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans, and we're going to start at the end of the game. Let's set the scene. Well, that's the final score, 128-126, with about 5.7 seconds left to go. The Pelicans get a stop. Brandon Ingram grabs the rebound and bolts down the court, uh, driving to the basket, trying to get a score right into Rudy Gobert, and gets off a finger roll off the glass. And Rudy Gobert makes a whole lot of contact, particularly all on his wrist. Ball goes out of bounds, and it looks like the game is over on a no call. And that's what it was. We can just simply say it. He made all contact with the wrist and no contact with the ball. He was going up for the lay-in off of the glass, had control of the ball, should have been a foul called. But here's the thing, and we can get into all the, we're not going to get into all the stuff with the replay rules because we know that replay in any sport is pretty flawed as is. And one of the things you normally have to have is a call to be able to review something and reverse said call. If there's a no call out there, which this was, there was no foul called, you can't go to the video screen and then retroactively make it a foul. That is not how it goes. So the refs simply missed this one. Plain and simple. But there was a couple of other things that went wrong on this play that the refs missed too. And that's when Brandon Ingram secured that rebound. Uh, Head coach Alvin Gentry tried to call a timeout. Same with Lonzo Ball. It wasn't granted. And this is where things get a little bit tricky. Once Brandon Ingram dribbles and goes to attack the basket, you don't actually want them to call that timeout because then you don't advance the ball into your own half court and you've got to take the ball up 70 feet with you know maybe five seconds left. That's not how you're going to manufacture a good shot attempt. At that point, Ingram running in transition like he did is actually better for New Orleans. So I don't fault Ingram at all on this. I liked what he did. He got a good look. And there was a ton of contact that should have sent him to the line for two and a chance to tie the game up. But missing those uh, timeout calls from Gentry and Ball in the beginning, that's bad. You've got to get that so that the Pelicans can draw up a play and run it out of the timeout. And Alvin Gentry overall this year has drawn up some very good plays out of timeouts. I don't have his exact numbers, but he's been very good this year with that. 
So the refs missed two things on that. They go to the video, they, they go to half court, go to the scores table, and do look at something, leaving everyone in confusion in the Smoothie King Center with what's going on because the Jazz had run off the court. And we thought maybe they're reviewing the call. Is there a call? Can you even review even though the rules say they can't? They were simply checking to see if there was any time left after the ball went out of bounds, determined that no, there wasn't, and so the game was over. But it was a foul. The Jazz escaped with a win due to the referees after some questionable calls kind of all night long. In fact, two Pelicans players basically in back-to-back possessions picked up texts yelling at the refs, call a foul. You saw it happen to Brandon Ingram. You saw it happen to Jackson Hayes. And you know what? After that, the refs started calling this game maybe a little bit more fairly. Now, New Orleans still could have won this without the disadvantage they have of playing both the Jazz and the refs here. And tell me, is there a better pairing in history than the refs versus New Orleans fans in any sport? I don't even know anymore. Um, So you could have gotten one or two more stops. You could have made one or two more buckets and had one or two more fewer empty possessions, but you didn't, and you were still in position to win the game and did all the right things to at least send this game to overtime, and the refs simply wouldn't let you do that. That's disappointing. I don't care about all the other stuff. When a no-call happens as time expires, yeah, I'm going to probably pin it on that. And if you guys have been listening to the podcast for like the four years that I've been doing this... I don't really ever say this one's on the refs or anything like that, but this one kind of is. I don't care about the other stuff. You were in position to win the game. The refs need to let you at least execute that, and they didn't, and that is unbelievably disappointing. The NBA's last two-minute report will come out today. It's a report that basically breaks down the final two minutes of proper calls or proper no calls um, and holds the refs accountable for everything. I'm going to be very curious to see what this says because you know what? It should say that a foul should have been assessed on Rudy Gobert right as time expired. And Brandon Ingram should have gone to the line for two free throws. Disappointing they missed it in what was an otherwise gritty performance for New Orleans. Again, you could say they could have gotten some more stops. They could have gotten a few more shots made. But you were playing without Drew Holiday against a very good Jazz team that has won 10 of 11. At least give New Orleans the right chance to lose or win the game in overtime. And the refs didn't do it. Hence, all the boos that I played down right at the beginning here, rightfully coming down on the referees at the end of the 128-126 loss. So we'll continue on talking about this game. We'll look at who played well, who didn't, as well as other things in this one, including the defense, which was great at times. The half-court offense, also pretty good at times. And everything you want to know about this one, because frankly, it was an awesome game to watch. But it's times like these that make you commiserate with other South Louisiana sports fans, particularly our Saints brethren here over at Locked on Saints, hosted by Ross Jackson. They know something about no calls, bad calls, calls going for against you everything like that, and he covers it all, particularly now that the Saints are out of the playoffs in kind of disappointing fashion. So go find out more about that loss on Sunday to the Vikings, where the Saints go from here. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, is going to have it all covered for you. So continuing on with the story of this game, the referees at the end, we've got some quotes from the rest of the team. Alvin Gentry on the end of the game says, quote, don't have an explanation. All we did is exactly what we were supposed to do. Took the ball, drove it hard to the basket, and then they determined that it wasn't a foul. End of game. 
Lonzo Ball on the final couple seconds of the game says, quote, it was a foul. Nothing more, nothing less. We should have gotten two free throws, but we didn't. And then Brandon Ingram, the guy who had it happen to him, says, quote, I don't think it really matters what I saw. The referees were saying something different. He didn't call a foul, so we just got to prepare for our next game and prepare for any game situations and how we can keep that defense really good in the new year. If he believes it was a foul call, he says, quote, I feel like I got hit, but the referee saw it differently, so that's the reality of it. Okay. End of quotes from the team. They certainly feel like they were fouled, and they sound like they are trying to do their best not to get fined $25,000 plus for criticizing the referees. Can't really fault them for taking the high road there. So 128-126 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans robbed at the end of a chance to tie the ball game. But this was a fun game. This was two teams going out, hitting shots, going back and forth, and pretty much that. You know, you had two teams that went out and shot exceptionally well and didn't turn the ball over whatsoever. Utah Jazz shot 48.5% from three. Pelicans, 38.7% from three. That's pretty good. They got to the line more times than the Utah Jazz did once the calls started going their way in the third quarter. In this one, New Orleans just six turnovers, and the Utah Jazz just eight turnovers in this one. It was a lot of fun, and you saw New Orleans kind of punch above their weight without Drew Holiday, who was a bit of a late scratch with an elbow contusion, and they were holding him out for this one. So by the numbers, Brandon Ingram, excellent in this game, even though, again, gets screwed towards the end there. 30, uh, 35 points on the night, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, a perfect 8 of 8 from the line, 3 of 6 from deep, and 12 of 26 from the field. He was aggressive in this one at times and just knew when to kind of settle and take those mid-range jumpers that he had, when to shoot threes, and when to go hard at the basket. And you did see him go hard at times. A couple times he just sliced right through the defense, got to the rim, and used those long arms to score over Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert in this one didn't feel nearly as impactful as he probably could have or should have been. Finished with nine points on the night, did grab 19 rebounds, but it went for a stretch of about 11 minutes or so where he didn't grab a board. He's one of the better rebounders in the league. He was just four of 10 from the field. New Orleans did a good job to make him not be the most impactful defender out there for the Utah Jazz. Part of it is they have guys who can kind of get around and score, one of those guys off the bench was Etwan Moore. 13 points on the night, 7 rebounds, 0 for 4 from deep, but did go 5 of 14 from the field, so he hit some shots. But he was aggressive. That three-point shot wasn't falling, so he was driving and dancing through the paint to get down low and took advantage of some of these guys. Tony Bradley, big off the bench, uh, or a big off the bench for the Utah Jazz. Uh, you had Etwan Moore just kind of, I don't know, like work him, get down in his Uncle E bag of tricks and score over him and around him. Same with Rudy Gobert at times. Kind of surprising to see. Each one more has been really good this year for New Orleans, uh, and he showed it off in this 
game. Josh Hart was the hustliest of hustle guys out there on the court, starting in place of Drew Holiday. Eight points on the night, three of seven from the field, two of six from deep, three rebounds, including one of them, which was just huge late in the game. He just went into like three Utah Jazz players, grabbed the ball, and fired it off to Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the corner. Nikhil making a big three late in the fourth quarter uh, during that stretch. So a hell of a hustle play by Josh Hart. Derek Favors in this one, nine points, ten rebounds going against his former team. Really battled with Rudy Gobert on the night and was a huge interior presence for New Orleans, even if he didn't get the scoring going like he would have liked. But he was needed down there. At times, the defense wasn't too good. You saw them get ripped at times by Bogdanovich and Mitchell and others, and Joe Ingles too, in the pick and roll, where the roll man just basically had free reign to the rim. But we'll talk about that later on. But overall, a solid night for the big man making his debut against his former team. Lonzo Ball also excellent in this one. Four straight game going over 20 points, 21 on the night, seven assists, eight rebounds, four of six from deep. He was feeling it. The confidence was there. Unfortunately, got sent to the line late in the fourth quarter, going one of three after being fouled on a three-point attempt. That's when I get nervous about him. But overall, a very good night for him. J.J. Redick doing J.J. Redick things, 23 points. Points, three rebounds, two of four from deep, seven of 12 from the line. It, this is a weird thing. He basically hit like three more threes in this game, but three times in this one, his foot was on the uh, black line on the upper part, on the above the break three-point line. So he really should have like three more points in this, and it should be counting him as five of seven from three, but unfortunately stepped on the line a couple of times. Those also, I guess, if you really want to look at it, come back to haunt New Orleans in it, um, because if you had three more points because he could took a slight step back maybe well then that certainly would be good got a final play kind of run for him at the end of the game not a good look whatsoever but it didn't end up hurting uh new orleans all that much because they did have a chance to win it off the bench for New Orleans, Jackson Hayes played pretty well in this one at times. Two of three from the field, seven points overall, including a couple of absolutely massive dunks, um, including one over Rudy Gobert. He was great, got hit for a technical after one of those dunks, saying call the foul because he felt he was fouled on there. Yeah, didn't didn't get the call, didn't get, uh, and then got the technical. Also played pretty good defense at times. He seems lost out there on that side of the ball more often than not, but he's so damn talented that he can make it look okay. Also three assists on the night, including one just gorgeous little pass to J.J. Redick off a dribble handoff that he just fired in there perfectly. He's going to be a special, special player one day. Frank Jackson in some first half minutes got five points to a four from the field going to the line with an and one and Nikhil Alexander-Walker getting 15 minutes including in the fourth quarter. Five points including that big aforementioned three. Kenrich Williams coming off the bench nine minutes 0 for 1 from the field and basically and one steal okay and one assist so he did some other things but he has been rough recently. For the Utah Jazz, Joe Ingles lit up New Orleans 4-5 from deep. Basically, anytime he had some space, he pulled the trigger and shot it. Same for Bogdanovich, 3 of 9 from deep. It feels like more. He finished with 35 points on the night. Donovan Mitchell, 19. A very quiet 19. New Orleans did a good job of guarding him with a combination of Lonzo Ball, Shy Gil or not Shy Gillius Alexander. Wow. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, their cousins, forgive me. Um, Rudy Gobert didn't feel like the most impactful guy 
guy out there when he could have. Overall, just a good night for New Orleans. They went toe-to-toe with the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz at this point should feel lucky they escaped with the victory. So I'll give you my other thoughts on the game coming up here in just a moment, including the excellent play of Lonzo Ball and the excellent play just in general of New Orleans in this one. But before I do that, don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down every single thing you want to know about this team. No one else coming to you with that kind of frequency. Wherever you get your podcast from, we just need you to do three things. Takes like 30 seconds to do. Hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, you with like a quick comment like a sentence it's all you've got to do and tell a friend about the show zion is making his return soon very soon so you're going to be excited you want your friends to be excited and it's just better when your friends know more about what's going on with the team so get them clued in to the locked on pelicans podcast wherever you get your podcast from So other just, I don't know, assorted thoughts on this game as we kind of wrap up. And there's no point in talking about anything else with the way this game ended. Before, I guess, we kind of touch on that, though, for some pregame stuff, Zion Williamson out there playing four-on-four with the coaching staff. It had only been doing three-on-three, so gradually stepping up to having more guys out there on the court, which means kind of more movement, less good spacing, so you can run into people, all that kind of stuff. It's a big step up from three-on-three, and it sounds like he's going to be going through five-on-five drills tomorrow, meaning we should be seeing his debut pretty soon. I don't know if it's going to be on Wednesday coming up. That would be cool against the Chicago Bulls, but I think the coaching staff would like him to go through two or three more practices, according to uh, Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com. Problem is the Pels play five games in eight days, so practice time is limited. So maybe they're going to try and squeeze these in when he can, which might mean you've got to wait till they get that homestand coming up. I get, I said again, maybe January 16th is the most likely date, but it seems like he is okay. We watched him warm up. Dude's throwing down dunks, moving just fine. I think he could go soon. He would probably play on Wednesday if they really wanted him to or if he really wanted to. But I think, again, they're being overly cautious. But the Zion return game coming unbelievably soon. And I think all of us cannot wait to see him out there on the court. So in this game, Lonzo Ball was good. Again, 8 of 14 from the field. He was feeling his three-point shot. 4 of 6 from deep. 21 points on the night. 8 rebounds. 7 assists. He does a, Just talk about a dude who's almost turned a corner over the past, I don't know, six games or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, though the past four is when he scored over 20 points. And his aggression just opens things up. He was really excellent, particularly in the first half of this game. Being aggressive, getting down low, trying to score, and setting things up for teammates that way. He's one of the few guys that can really get this team out in transition and run in the ways that they want to be doing all of that also as well. But in the second half, particularly the third quarter, you saw some of that aggression vanish. And that's when the Utah Jazz seemed like maybe they were going to run away with this building an 11-point lead in the third quarter when he wasn't getting into the paint, when he was content to uh, settle for jumpers and different looks like that. It's not what makes him such an effective player. It's when he is doing those other things and aggression is when he is his best. But you saw why maybe at times he doesn't do that, and that was late in the fourth quarter, getting fouled on a three-point shot and going to the line and going one of three. That's a bit of an issue. It still's 
got to get that free throw shot down because it just opens his game so much more because it almost makes him fearless. But he was very good in this one. Other guy, again, who I said has really been good all season long, almost an unsung hero, and that is each one more. He took Rudy Gobert to the rack at times. He took Tony Bradley multiple times to the rack and scored that way when his three-point shot wasn't falling. This is a guy that's probably added wins to New Orleans this year when I kind of know, and myself included, wanted everyone to trade him to other teams because, again, his salary is one of the bigger ones and it's expiring, so it kind of makes sense that you would try and move him. But, man, he's been important for New Orleans this season. Jackson Hayes also showing why he's going to be really good. That passing ability is the biggest thing. We know the dunks are there. The rebounding and getting the timing of that will all be good. He chases blocks a little bit too much at times. He misses out on offensive rebounds because he's trying to rim run when maybe he shouldn't and instead he should just box out. But that comes in time of just being a smarter basketball player that, you know, you've just got to get out on the court and play. But the passing and the touch, particularly on that one to Redick, awesome, 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 awesome to see. He is going to be something special. Keep an eye out on it. Pelicans didn't play particularly fast in this one, though. They tried to push it when they could, but the Utah Jazz are so good, they got back and kind of limited the transition opportunities. Only eight points in the fast break for New Orleans, 18 for the Utah Jazz. But the defense was creating opportunities early on. You saw them really kind of get their arms in the passing lanes, limit the passes, and the Utah Jazz in this game only had 19 assists on 46 made buckets so a lot of isolation and when those guys started isolating and going one-on-one Brandon Ingram was poking the ball away each one more was poking the ball away and they were creating fast break opportunities they just weren't able to finish them but you saw a number of turnovers and steals for New Orleans early on particularly in the first half of this game that could lead to easy points easy buckets maybe against a team that doesn't get back as quickly as the Utah Jazz does means that they could be a better offensive team than what you saw in this one, and they were pretty good offensively. It bodes well for the future of what they're building and their identity and their core and their DNA and what they're just going out and trying to do. So it was a disappointing night because of the refs. Screw you, refs. But the Pelicans played really tough, and all of this without Drew Holiday, who wasn't out there for this team when you really could have used him late in the game. So good fight from this Pelicans team. This is this it 100% is a moral victory. You easily could have been in overtime and had a chance to get it. And that point, I would have felt pretty good about their odds. But the refs decided that wasn't to be. So thank you all for listening. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.